0: Welcome to the ABA Journal's Modern Law Library podcast. I'm your host, Lee Rawls, and today I have the privilege of speaking with Ted Olson and David Boyes, two of the most prominent trial lawyers in the country. After the anti same sex marriage ballot initiative Proposition 8 passed in California in 2008, Olson and Boyes assembled a legal team to overturn it. And in June 2013, their clients prevailed before the U.S. Supreme Court in Hollinger v. Perry. Same sex marriage was again declared legal in the state of California. They've written a new book about the case titled, Redeeming the Dream, The Case for Marriage Equality, and are here to discuss it with us. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me.
1: Thank, thank you. you. Lee.
0: Ted, you were actually the first one to come on this case. Can you give us a little background about your involvement?
1: Sure. I, uh, well, I wasn't born in California. I was raised in California, as was David, as it turns out. I went to California public schools, uh, went to law school in California, practiced law in California for 15 years. When I heard about Proposition 8 and saw the results of the election in which Proposition 8 was passed, I was dis- I was surprised by Californians and disappointed. It seemed to me inconsistent with the things that we believe in California, of uh, uh, independence, of uh, tolerance, respect for other people's views, differences among individuals. California is a frontier state. So I was contacted uh, not long after the enactment of Proposition 8 by some people that I knew uh, and some people that had heard about me and were interested in filing a federal challenge to Proposition 8, and uh, they asked me whether I would be interested in signing on as a lawyer for the case. Uh, I almost immediately agreed. I felt that proposition was eight was wrong, damaging to the citizens of California and I felt that if it was challenged in federal court, it was very, very important that it be challenged by people who knew their way around federal court uh and would bring a robust Uh, well-financed, and thorough challenge to Proposition 8. And as a result of that conversation, and a couple of subsequent conversations, I agreed to
2: take the case on.
0: How did David become involved in the case? Ted called me shortly after
2: the conversations that he's just uh, mentioned and asked me whether I would be interested in joining him uh, in the case. And I immediately said yes. Uh, This was a a case that I very much wanted to do. Uh, I believe I believe then that the uh, fight for marriage equality, for uh, ending the official governmental discrimination against gay and lesbian citizens, was a defining civil rights issue of our time. Uh, also, the opportunity to work with Ted, who had become a close friend after Bush v. Gore, was a, was a great, great opportunity. David, let's talk
1: about say, that. Can I little... add one more thing to that? Both David and I, in our early conversations, agreed that it was extremely important that this case be presented uh, not as a an issue that involved um, narrow partisan points of view, Republican or Democrat, uh, liberal, conservative points of view. We thought coming together with our backgrounds, and with the respective strength of our two law firms, we could present this as an issue uh, involving American ideals, and we could focus attention on the damage that was being done by to gay and lesbian citizens without partisanship creeping into it if we came together and handled the case uh, in that fashion.
2: Let me just underscore um, one of those points in terms of the resources of our two firms. People... Overlook sometimes how difficult these cases are and the resources that they require. This is not the question of just Ted or myself standing up in court. We had an enormous team uh, dozens of lawyers from our two firms uh, working on this case uh, for months. And it was that set of resources that enabled us to prepare it as well as we did, to bring in uh, experts from around the world uh, to make the record that we did at trial. Uh, that was not just Ted and myself, it was all of these other lawyers who dedicated their time and efforts uh, to this case. And the ability that we had to bring those resources uh, to this case was a very important aspect of it. We tried this case as if it was the most important case for our most important commercial client. and We tried it exactly that way.
0: Let's talk a little bit about those um, opposing backgrounds. A lot has been made in the media about the fact that before this case, the most prominent one that you were involved in together was Bush v. Gore and you were on opposing sides. My father's actually a contemporary of yours and he's practiced law for 40 years and he says that when he first started there was not this idea that just because you represented opposing sides you had to be personally adversarial towards each other. Do you find it funny that people expect you two to be enemies instead of getting along and being friends?
1: Yeah, it's it's very, a very, very good point. Um, we are, we were opponents in Bush versus Gore, but we were, we developed an admiration uh, for our respective opponents, um, and we never had any animosity towards one another. I think that's an unfortunate conception that some people have—that because you are on opposite sides of a case, you must dislike or disrespect your opponent or treat the opponent that is against you in courtroom with anything less than full civility and full respect, David and I felt about coming together, uh, that we could bring our resources, our background, our capabilities. We thought the qualities that we had developed over nearly 50 years of peace practicing law would complement one another, and that we could bring a very, very forceful, strong team to this case and to the people that we represented. And I will say this, that after five years of working with one another in this case, there was never a moment when our our individual egos or our our respective firms did not agree completely with one another about how to handle the case uh, and our relationship.
0: One of the things you talk about in the book uh, is about how you needed not only to win the court case, but also to win public opinion. When you're an attorney or a team of attorneys in a case this big, how do you go about positioning yourself to not only win a court case, but as you said, win over public opinion?
1: Well, David and I agreed completely about this right from the beginning, that we were representing individuals who were the objects of discrimination by their state government in California. We were hoping that the courts would recognize their right to be treated equally and to be treated with respect uh, and decency by their fellow citizens and therefore we felt that winning in court was simply not enough by itself that we wanted the american people at the end of the day to respect and honor that kind of decision from the courts and to agree that it was right that gay and lesbian individuals be treated with respect and decency and equality by their fellow citizens and by their government. And we thought, therefore, that we needed to project as much as possible out into the public to give the public an opportunity to understand what we felt the issues to be and why we felt that the positions that we were taking were correct and should be agreed upon um, by the American people. It turns out, that during this case, the public opinion in in the United States changed dramatically. And we're not saying that we had everything to do with it, but we hope we had something to do with the change in public opinion, so that today a majority of Americans agree that gay and lesbian citizens should be treated equally uh, with respect to issues such as marriage and and employment and things of that nature.
0: David, in the book you talk about how you actually faced opposition from some major LGBT advocacy organizations who were actually afraid that this case would be detrimental. Why did they feel that way, do you think, and why were you guys intent on taking it to the court where you obviously were eventually successful?
2: That's a really good question because obviously the people who opposed this, the people who had spent decades, in many cases, Uh, fighting uh, for gay and lesbian rights, Uh, knew a lot more about uh, some of these issues than than Ted and I did. Uh, But we came at it from a different perspective. They were concerned that this was too early, that we would bring a case, that the courts would be hostile to it. No one had ever uh, brought a federal case under the federal constitution uh, challenging a state prohibition on marriage equality. Uh, the only Supreme Court opinion that might tangentially be relevant uh, looked like it was it was against us. It was the kind of case that I think a lot of people who were, were very much on our side in terms of the merits of the issue thought it was just too early, it was too much, it was too big a bite, uh, we were asking uh, too much, and we might come away with a bad opinion. Uh, and we obviously respected those views, because they came from people who wished the cause that we were representing uh, uh, all the best. But we came out from a different perspective, and I think there were several reasons. I mean, One is that we were representing four plaintiffs who wanted to get married, and it's very hard to tell a client that this is not your time, that there will come a time when you or your descendants will have equality, but you can't enjoy... Uh, the ability to marry the person that you love. Uh, And it's very, very hard to tell an individual that uh, in the interest of a a larger uh, strategic judgment, they have got to uh, wait for their constitutional rights to be vindicated. Um, A second uh, thing, and this was very important, is that both Ted and I uh, thought that we would be able to prevail. there were a number of ways that we could prevail. We could prevail by having the United States Supreme Court hold uh, that as a matter of Due Process Clause and Equal Protection Clause, that prohibitions and marriage equality simply were unconstitutional. Um, that, obviously, would be the goal. That is what we're fighting for right now um, as we go to the Supreme Court from Virginia. Uh, but that was only one way we could win the California case. Uh, We could also win the California case on narrow California grounds, that there was no justification for taking away a right that citizens of California had enjoyed. That was the basis on which the Ninth Circuit Federal Court of Appeals affirmed our trial court victory. Uh, They affirmed it, although they had very strong reasoning that was more broadly applicable. They affirmed it on narrow California grounds. There was also an an argument, and this was made by the Solicitor General, that uh, California was one of a number of states, but not all of them, that because of policy decisions that they had made um, left the state no room to argue that marriage equality should not be granted. Um, That was another way that it would be possible to win, or it would be possible uh, for us to win in the district court in the Ninth Circuit, Court of Appeals and then um, if the governor and Attorney General did not appeal, the proponents of the statute might not have um, standing. Uh, so there were lots of ways that we could we could prevail in the case and end um, the discrimination in terms of marriage against gay and lesbian citizens in California. And we felt that if we could do that, we could make a big step forward. Uh, regardless of the basis on which uh, we were able to uh, to win. So uh, a critical part of it is that we, after analyzing the cases and looking at what the Supreme Court opinions were, we thought that, contrary to what a lot of other people thought, that we could, in fact, uh, prevail. Uh, another reason uh, was that this was a case that was going to be brought, we thought, by somebody. Um, there are an awful lot of people in California who wanted to get married, who had been harmed by Proposition 8. There were awful lot of lawyers in California. um, And we figured that at some point uh, those people would get together and there would be a a case brought. And if it were brought by somebody who did not have our resources and to some extent did not have our experience, I mean, Ted has argued 60 cases in the United States Supreme Court. Um, That is a, a level of experience that very, very few people uh, possess. And if the case were handled by people who didn't prepare a record for Supreme Court uh, ultimate review, uh, who were, didn't have the resources, didn't have the experience to really build that that record well, uh, then the chances of losing it went up a great deal. So we felt that the case was going to be brought, uh, and we felt we were in a position to, to bring it in a way that gave it a a maximum chance of success. I think we also thought, and I think this proved to be right, that just bringing the case would focus the American people's attention to this issue. And this is an issue that we have both always thought there's only one way you can come out on if you think about it and you think about it reasonably. And you're never going to get the five or 10 percent of the American people who think the world is flat. But if you can really talk sense to the American people and get their attention, uh, you can convince them. And I think we believed that the dialogue that we would be able to start uh, with this lawsuit is something that would push forward the agenda, not only the legal agenda, but the the broader public agenda.
0: Ted, David mentioned uh, how many people this case would potentially affect uh, and how many potential clients there could be to bring... This case before the Supreme Court, how difficult was it to select the couples uh, who you would proceed with as plaintiffs?
1: It was very, very important that the individuals that represented this case, the plaintiffs in this case, be representative of the citizens of California, uh, that they be individuals that were reflective of the fact that they'd been together in a relationship with one another for a long period of time, that they had a strength of relationship, we knew that undertaking a challenge like this, and we explain a lot of this in detail in our book, um, uh, would be a long process, an arduous process, they would be in the spotlight, they would be subjected to hostility hostility in, from some quarters. Uh, and that there might be threats against them, um, that they had to be poised. They had to be individuals that could explain how important it was for them to be able to be married, to be treated equally, to have families that were respected by their fellow citizens. So we were very, very careful with the process. We did not want to put individuals in that spotlight who might not be able to handle the pressure uh, who or who might not be very, very serious about representing the position that they were going to be representing in court, the equality of gays and lesbians. So we spent a considerable amount of time doing research with respect to the individuals. These were individuals that wanted to be married, that wanted to overturn proposition Eight, but they had to be qualified in a number of different ways. Uh, And we explain this in the book, too. You will see how those individuals were so articulate uh and so credible in explaining what their life was like being denied equality with their fellow citizens and what marriage meant to them and to their families how much it hurt to be denied that right and how important it was for them to bring this case to vindicate for them not just for themselves but for everyone else like them in California and throughout the United States um, the right to equality under the law.
0: David, you both are extremely busy men. Um, how did you find the time to come together and write this book? One thing I really enjoy about it is it really is written for a general audience. You don't need a legal background in order to really fully enjoy it and understand the background of the case.
2: I think we we wrote it um, whenever we had time. Um, sometimes we'd, we'd write it uh, when we had a break at the office. Sometimes we'd We'd write it when we were on vacation. Uh, sometimes we'd write it at night. Um, it was it was a story that we thought was important to tell. We thought it was important for uh, lawyers to understand uh, how the case was developed and presented, but we also thought it was important for the general public to understand our plaintiffs, to understand what was at, at stake, to understand why we took the case, uh, and ultimately how the case was won. Uh, so it was a story that we... We wanted to tell, we enjoyed telling it, Uh, so so although it it did um, intrude from time to time on time that we might otherwise have been sleeping, um, I think it was a story that we enjoyed uh, working on. It was not a a chore.
0: So this is not the last uh, for the team of Olsen and Boys. What case are you guys bringing, uh, what cause are you guys arguing together for next?
1: Well, we're going to do a number of things. We did spend some time, and I think it's important to mention this, uh, b- because it was an ABA project. The the uh, two consecutive presidents of the ABA, um, Steve Zach and Bill Robinson, appointed the two of us, along with our wives, uh, to be head of a task force to fight for proper funding for state uh, courts, state judicial systems, and we went around the country uh, involved in that. There are other issues that are going to bring us together, and I hope that we have a chance to write another book. We, to to amplify a little bit on what David said, it was very important for us to explain um, to lawyers and to prospective lawyers, law students, I hope we were reaching law students, but also the general public about how one develops a case how one presents a case, the tactical considerations that go into it, the legal issues that meant so much to so many different people. We hope that we wrote this in a way that was understandable and interesting, hopefully fascinating to a general public audience. And um, there are a number of things that David and I have talked about uh, doing again. We're both interested in the public education system in this country. David is eloquent about this, that we are denying our most needy individuals in our society, people in minority groups and people in the inner cities, the opportunity for an equal education. We both think that there are reforms in the public education system that that can be done that will more closely achieve equality of educational opportunity for our citizens than there are other issues. But um, we enjoy very much working together. Uh, We enjoy the fact that we can put uh, talented lawyers in our respective law firms together to Create a fine, outstanding, and successful legal product and hopefully achieve some good.
0: Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you. Lee, thank you very much for talking to us.